Well, we're going to continue our study. We've been studying. Can you guess what the theme of this series is? Yeah, just a little subtle hint uh, for you. And uh, so we'll continue today. And thank you for uh, listening in advance. Thank you. Uh, the Lord Jesus, who we love because he first loved us, uh, went to Jerusalem on an occasion some 2,000 years ago. Uh, in order to celebrate one of the feasts of Israel. This he did, you know, because he was in human form, uh, born as a Jew. So as an observant Jew, he went up, as did others, on this occasion, the occasion of the Feast of pa Passover or Pesach. And, and he went there to celebrate it with those who were, who were his most intimate followers. That's what you do. You, 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 you eat together with those who are your friends and so there they were, and so they were partaking, distributing and partaking of the traditional elements in the Passover. And during this time, the Lord took the opportunity to speak to their hearts and to their minds about something which I'm sure he anticipated, because he knows all things, they would not receive very well. He essentially said, I'm leaving you. And he told them this in a very specific kind of a way. He said, I'm going to soon be arrested. And I will be tried. I'll be falsely accused and I'll be convicted. And there will be a penalty carried out. I'll be executed, you say. And I'll rise from the dead and I'll ascend to heaven. And he's sharing them uh, during this Passover meal about last things. And as you might imagine, they're not receiving it very well. They don't know all things. They're just followers. They're learners. Uh, we are as well. And so they were probably quite concerned, filled with uh, no small measure of worry and anxiety over it all. And, and so he addressed their concerns uh, about what was going to happen, he leaving them alone. He addressed their concerns in a marvelous chapter in the Bible. It's, it's preserved for us down to this very day. It's John chapter 14. And uh, you're invited to turn there if you'd like, and I'll just continue to speak a little bit as you find your way there. It's John chapter 14. There are Bibles available to you at the back of the seat in front of you. Don't have one of your own. Please help yourself to it. Uh, John chapter 14. Um, could I summarize the whole chapter as you turn there by calling it the Lord's last will and testament? That's essentially what it is. I don't mean any disrespect to it. But in it, he's stipulating what he is going to leave to them. And one of the things he left to them, you, you can see as you glance through the chapter, um, he, he said, I'm going to leave you another helper. He's one. He's leaving. He said, don't despair. I'll leave you another. He's called the Holy, the very spirit of the Lord Jesus. And, and he is specifically referred to in John 14 as the spirit of truth. He said, I will leave you the spirit of truth. And then he said, that's not all. I'm going to leave you other things as well. So this is the Lord's last will and testament. You can find out a lot about what a person values, what's on that person's heart, by examining that person's last will and testament, don't you think? I mean, for instance, to my uh, beloved daughter, I leave $13 million. To my son, I leave... My Toyota Corolla. You, you can get an idea of what was on the heart and mind of that uh, person who stipulated those things in the will. 
And if you want to find out what, who, uh, are on the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ, you examine his last will and testament. And specifically, uh, take a look at verse 27 of that chapter. Peace I leave with you. He's bequeathing to his followers, then the disciples at the Passover, by extension, all of his disciples, us today, those who believe on him, who yield to him, who follow him today. Peace I leave to you. We find out who is on the Lord's heart. You are. I am. We are. And so he left to us a most valuable commodity. He left to us, but uh, uh, what so many lack, this marvelous quantity uh, called peace. Peace I leave with you is what he said. Um, There are different kinds of peace which we receive uh, from a connection with God. The first kind is the most essential, and without it, none can follow. The first is peace with God. Now, you may not think we need it, but we do, because really we're at war with it. We're warring parties. And of course, God will win, but we're adversaries. Do you, know, do you know that? Apart from peace, which he provides. It has to be dealt with. There's something between us and the creator. It's called unholiness. It's not part of his nature. It's very much a part of ours. It's called sin. It's not part of his nature. He's never sinned. It's part of ours. We do in thought, word, and deed. So there's a conflict. We There's a conflict. Think about it. Between transcendent deity and those of us whom he has created. And, and so uh, that, 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 that adversarial relationship has to be resolved first before anything can follow. And, and it has been. It's the cross. It's the cross, you see. It's the bridge. Think of a bridge when you think of the cross. On the cross, the Lord Jesus... Who, who was impaled on it, extended both of his arms, one on the divine side, you see he's the son of God, one on the human side, you see he's the son of man. And so that makes him the perfect mediator of a peace treaty. Because he is God, and he came to be enfleshed. Man, fully, yet without sin. And so he's the only one who could fulfill the prerequisite for being the, the peacemaker. And so those of us who have put our faith, that just means believing. That means yielding. That means being confident that it is true. Those of us who have put our faith uh, in the cross at, as the bridge, as the, the mediatorial means of a relationship with God, we have peace with God. So that's a first kind of peace. We've accepted Christ as the peacemaker. In fact, in Hebrew, we refer to him as the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. And so when we accept him, we have peace with the Father, irreversibly, once and forevermore. See, sins are covered by his blood, aren't they? He paid the penalty for our for our sins and God ceases to see us as warring parties. He sees us as his children. That's my favorite term in the Bible, little children. He calls us his little children with just great affection, you see. So we're not warring parties anymore. But that is not the kind of peace, in my opinion, uh, that the Lord Jesus is leaving to us here. Uh, That first peace is peace with God. But here he is speaking of peace, the peace of God. 
Can you see where it says in this verse, peace I live with, with you, but then these very two important words, my peace, wait just a minute, my peace I give to you. You know what that means? The peace which the Lord Jesus himself experiences, that's what he leaves to us. He's saying to those of us who already have peace with God, because of his shed blood and our faith in it. He's saying, I leave you my experience of calm, of composure, of trust, of wholeness. That's what the word shalom means, of wholeness, of well-being. I leave that with you. It's as if he's saying, do you believe I have peace? Have I conducted myself without worry, without anxiety in your midst? Have I been living proof of a peaceful life on the inside? Yes, yes, yes. All those who know him would say, he would say, well, that's what I leave with you. And I leave it with you because you need it because you don't have it. You've looked for it for sure, just as those in the video uh, are speculating about it, but you've not found it. It has to come from me, says the Lord Jesus. And so I give it to you. Because of his love for us, he said, you know what he said? I could have left you um, silver and gold, but I wanted to give you something of more value. So I gave you something that money cannot buy. I gave you my peace. My peace I leave with you. I bequeath that to you. Now listen. As a Christian, you have the first kind of peace. You are no longer an adversary of God. You're a child of God. You're fine with him. However, you, I, though we be Christians, may not have the full experience of the second kind of peace. It's possible that we're still troubled Christians in our mind. It's possible that our minds are filled with anxiety. It's possible that our minds are filled with fears or phobias of all manner of things. This does not nullify your salvation in any way. Salvation is about the first kind of peace, relational peace between you and Almighty God because of what Jesus did as the mediator on the cross. But the experience of his peace, sometimes that's a fleeting commodity even for those of us who are at peace with God. So we could have peace with God and yet lack the peace of of God. That's a mind thing. And so, so many of us are Christians are not able to be living proof of a peaceful experience with Almighty God because we're so worrisome, so troubled on the inside, so filled with anxiety. And so the Lord Jesus, he doesn't rebuke us. He doesn't say what's wrong with you. He doesn't say I have nothing to do with you. He says, I know what you need. You're so unsettled. I leave it with you. I'm going, but I'm leaving you the best I have to offer. My peace I leave with you is what he says. I must tell you, it's a bit of a shame that those of us who have peace with God oftentimes have so little of the experience of the peace of God. I didn't say to be ashamed. I'm saying it's a shame that we don't because we have it if we believe the words of Jesus. Jesus said, I gave it to you. But do you know it's possible to have something and not make full use of it? 
Uh, the other day, I was uh, in my garage trying to make some sense out of it, and I found all, all manner of things that would have been useful to me over the last few days and weeks and months as I had to do various projects around the house. And I had totally lost sight of the fact that these things were already in my possession, and I did not appropriate them. So sometimes we have something, but we forget we actually have it. Sometimes, you know, we don't even realize we have it. Sometimes things can sneak into your house. You know, you get Christmas gifts, and there's just gifts being exchanged all over the place. And sometimes you find out long after Christmas, oh, my goodness, there's still yet something else I didn't open that a well-intentioned person has given me. Sometimes you don't know that you've been gifted. Other times, you know you've been gifted, but you forgot about the gift. And still other times, you know very well you have the gift, but you don't know how to make use of it. So let's deal with that one with reference to this marvelous gift of peace. How do you make use of it? This is a little bit of an irony, but I think you make use of peace by aggressively laying hold of it and using it as a weapon against anxiety. I think you take it up and fight back. It's not a matter of what I think. In fact, this is what the Lord says in that very verse. Look, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And then he says, two times, let. Let not your heart. Remember I told you that's a synonym for mind. It's a matter of the mind. Let not your heart be troubled, nor, here's the second let, nor let it be fearful. Those are words of action. It's as if the Lord is saying, first, I will tell you what I gave you. This is what I did. By divine sovereignty, now I will tell you what you need to do with it by human responsibility. I gave you something. You may not realize you have it. And so you're going along as a person who has peace with me being absolutely unsettled on the inside anyway. You don't know that I gave you peace or you may have forgotten it. You've gotten so distracted with a habit of worrying and anxieties and panic and all the rest. Or you may not have to use this. You may not know how to use this. It requires active engagement. I gave you something that just requires you appropriating it. But to appropriate it requires active engagement. So here you see this tension between divine sovereignty and human responsibility. God says, I love you too much to let you be passive. Get up. Do something. How do you make use of the peace God has given? You take it up by a deliberate act of the will. And you do not let your mind be troubled. And you don't let it be fearful. Full with fear. You don't let it. Now, this is not saying that we don't have the experience of trouble or anxiety or fear. All it is saying is don't let it overrun you. What do you do if someone is assaulting you? Someone comes up to you out of the blue and slaps you in the face. What are things you do? Well, you don't let it happen, do you? You might assume a bit of a defensive posture. You might take up a little offense and clench your fist. You might find out the foe is too big, but then you see out of the corner of your eye a Houston police officer, and you invoke his authority, don't you? You don't have the power and authority on your own to resist the onslaught, but you, as a citizen, have every right and privilege to invoke the authority of someone more powerful than you. You may do that. You may tell this person who slapped you in the face. You may just speak it out. You may say, you will stop I refuse to allow you to do this. Well, that's what you do with the peace already given. 
You use it as a weapon. And as you begin to realize what the matter of your mind is, it's a matter of anxiety or panic or worry, you say, stop. I just give in to this. I just let it slap me around as if it's a sentence of death. I accept this as my identity, as my essential nature, when in fact the Lord Jesus has bequeathed to me the opposite of anxiety, which is peace. It doesn't mean you have to be ashamed if you have anxiety. I'm just saying, no, the Lord is just saying, manage it rather than let letting it manage you. And he left you something. He left me something. He said, I gave you peace. No, 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 not peace with God. Even an anxious Christian has that. The peace which God has. My peace. The experience of his peace. He says he gives to you. Oh, I forgot I had it. Oh, I didn't know I had it. Oh, I don't know how to use it. It's a matter of the mind. You have to exert effort. It's discipline. It's mental discipline. No less taxing than any physical discipline you participate in. But the benefits are far greater. They run on into eternity. Don't do it. Now, I have to tell you something. If you're someone early on in life who's grown up in a very unstable background... There's been turmoil. There's been deep hurt, personal hurt. There's been abuse. There's been abandonment. There's been neglect. I have to tell you, you have to work harder at this. But don't give up working at it. Someone may have told you, here's your diagnosis. And you accepted the diagnosis. And you thought that means you just can't do anything about it. But uh, Dr. Jesus comes along. He's the wonderful counselor. And he said, hang in there. You who have retreated and surrendered to it all. I bequeath to you my peace. Wouldn't you like to have the internal experience I have? Wouldn't you like to have a measure of emotional stability, the likes of which I have? You have to work a little harder at it than someone who's experienced a little more stability during their developmental years. But even if you've experienced tremendous instability, who told you you should give up? Who told you there's no hope for you? Who told you the Lord lied to you? He gave peace to some, but not to you. Who told you that? It's in the garage of your life. It's in the basement. It's in the attic. Take it out. Dust it off. Make it a familiar friend. You might have made your anxiety a familiar friend. You're just so used to it. Here it comes. So you just let it slap you around, slap you around. And you never realize you could say, stop it. And you never realize you could say, by the authority. Of the Lord Jesus. Who would you say that to? You would say it to your adversary, the devil. Who do you think is slapping you around? Jesus said, here's the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth says, I gave you peace. And the author of lies said, no. Be in panic. Be anxious. Worry about everything. Nobody cares about you. Be guarded. Take care of yourself. You know how it was when you grew up? Nobody cared. Nobody provided. Nobody protected. That's how it is with you now. You have to say, stop slapping me around by the authority of one much bigger than me, the Lord Jesus Christ, who spoke to me truth. And I believe it through the spirit of truth who indwells me. I say, get thee behind me, Satan. Don't you see? Don't you see? This is war, but not with God. We have peace. It's war with the adversary, don't you see? And frankly, sometimes it's war with our flesh. It isn't the adversary. 
He doesn't have to spend time. We do enough job of slapping ourselves around. Sometimes we have so settled into the pattern of unchallenged worry and anxiety and troublesome thoughts. Sometimes he doesn't have to mess with us. He could be off messing with someone else because we're doing ourselves in. Sometimes we're just not getting off the spiritual couch. We're just couch, spiritual couch potatoes. Channel to channel, spiritually speaking, instead of saying, stop, these thoughts are not from God. Instead of saying, oh God, I've harbored them since I was a child. I've been given to worry. I've been given to panic. I've been given to stress. I've been giving, given to anxiety, but things are different now. I'm born anew. I'm your little child. You call me a son. You call me a daughter. I'm in a whole new family. You're a father. You're Abba Father. Never had one like you. You're the perfect dad I never had. You left me your peace. I receive that. I take it up. I'm a little awkward in handling it. It's like a new tool. I'll get better at it. Help me, Lord Jesus. You've got to go to war, folks. Don't take this lying down. Don't be slapped around. Anxiety is the opposite of peace. Jesus said, I give you peace. Jesus experienced peace in his time here on earth. Do you agree? But Jesus also experienced plenty of trouble, didn't he? Jesus uh, was a feeling man. Did you know that? Not an unfeeling machine. Jesus felt rejection. Jesus felt abandonment. Jesus felt all of that. So, so the experience of peace, which he leaves to us, doesn't mean some altered state of new age consciousness where we deny these harsh realities of life. It means I gave you a weapon. I gave you a tool. It means just as I, in my life here, did not live it free from trouble, neither will you, called by my name, but you can have victory over it. You can have peace on the inside, even in spite of what's going on on the outside. Take it up as a weapon. Use it as a weapon to wage war against worry and all the rest. Anxiety is the opposite of peace. It happens to us all, you know. Do you realize what anxiety is? It's anticipation of the future. That's what anxiety is. It's pretty simple. Anxiety is anticipation of the future. Anxiety is never about what is happening. Anxiety is always about what may happen. And could I tell you something? God doesn't give us grace to worry about what may happen. He only gives us grace to deal with what is happening. Give us today our emotional daily bread. Tomorrow will take care of itself. You see? So anxiety essentially says, oh, God, I'm taking myself into the future. So here's here's what we need to do. Basically, you have to keep your mind where your body is. I'm just trying to make this simple. My body is not in tomorrow. It's right here. So when my mind goes there, I need to kind of reel it in and call it back. I just, I don't want to have my mind apart from my body. This is like a good idea. Keep your mind and body in the, at the same place at the same time, and you'll have the experience of peace because Jesus gives it to us to deal with the actual events of life. He does not give it to us to deal with the possible events of life. No, 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 no. 
So, you can't avoid thinking, worrying even about the future. Uh, but you can avoid being controlled by worry and anxiety. That's the deal. Because Jesus said, I want my peace to have mastery over you. Don't let anything else have mastery over you. Now, the Hebrew word for peace, as I mentioned, and the one with which the Lord was very, very familiar, is the word shalom, shalom, shalom. Um, But it doesn't mean the absence of war. (laughs) And it surely doesn't mean the absence of trouble. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It can't, because the Lord had plenty of that. He had plenty of trouble. Uh, Shalom, therefore, means peace which exists and persists in spite of trouble. And the Lord Jesus reminds us in John 14, you have it because he gave it. Take use of it. Dust it off. Stop raising the white flag. I surrender to panic and anxiety. Go to war. You who have peace with and the peace of God. Use what he left to you and me in the last will and testament before his painful crucifixion, before his glorious resurrection, before his magnificent ascension. Let's make use of what he bequeathed to us in his last will and testament. You need peace. You need shalom. So do I. We all do. In fact, unsettledness uh, is probably more a part of the human condition today than at any other time in human history. For sure, since Genesis chapter 3, unsettledness, uh, when we came to be at war with God, unsettledness seems to be part of the human condition. So you need peace. I need peace. Everyone is after it. Everyone is seeking it. But most, even us, look for it in all the wrong places. And so the Lord Jesus says in this very verse, it's just one verse, That the kind of peace he lives is to be distinguished from the kind of peace the world gives. He says, what I give you is not as the world gives. Can you see that phrase? Not as the world. What kind of peace does the world give? Temporary. Fleeting. And here's the catch. The peace that the world gives is directly, irreversibly tied to circumstances. But the peace that the Lord Jesus gives, it's so far better. It's uh, eternal (laughs) it's not fleeting and it doesn't have anything to do with what's going on outside of you. It has to do with what's inside of you. He said, I gave you the spirit of truth. He's inside and the spirit of truth can take passages like this, this truth and combine it with faith in your mind so that what is produced is a peaceful set of emotions, not an anxious set of emotions. So the next time you will, I will, the next time we find ourselves troubled, disturbed, fearful, anxious, stressed out, see if you could slow down and think about what you're thinking. See, it's a matter of the mind. You're probably letting your thoughts take you into the future. You get no grace from God for that, you see. So then you want to stop and you want to say, oh, God, here I am trying to get ahead of the game. Here I am essentially trying to be you, timeless. Uh, Here I am defending myself, guarding myself, seeking to protect myself. And, oh, God, I know why I do it. I do it because I had to early on in life. There was nobody there. I didn't have that dad you can count on. I didn't have those two parents. I didn't have a stable house, whatever it is. But, oh, God, that's different now. Now I have Abba Father who will never leave me nor let me go. 
You gave me your finest. You sent your only begotten son. How will you not with him also freely give me all things? You see, when you do that with your mind, you're transforming it. And so what's going to come out are emotions of an entirely different kind, peace and joy. And when you experience peace and joy, then behaviors follow suit. So once again, thoughts lead to feelings. Feelings lead to behaviors. And the Lord Jesus said, think on this and the spirit of truth will help you uh, to receive this truth. Peace, my peace, I have already given to you. The world's peace is based on the world's resources to bring it about. Wow. But God's peace is based on relationship with him. And so if you have peace with God, you have the peace of God because you have him. Take advantage of it. The world's peace means the absence of trouble. But the Lord's peace means the presence of a person with you. In the midst of troubles you may experience. And nothing will take him away. Nothing can separate you from that relationship. He will never leave you or me or forsake us. He left only bodily. He sent us his spirit. And he sent us his peace. So I'll tell you what I do. This is, this is therapy, if you don't mind. Uh, therapy, by the way, don't be afraid of that word. It means to feel good. <laughs> so this is what I do to feel good. I memorize scripture. Because I know I have the spirit of truth, so I have to get truth inside of me. I need to feed the spirit with truth so that the spirit of truth can take that truth and change my mind. So I memorize scripture like this verse, John 14, 27. But I don't memorize it as an end in itself. I memorize it to facilitate my conversation with God. So let me just demonstrate this before our pastor comes. Look at uh, John 14, 27. Peace, I leave with you. I stop. I say, oh God, thank you. This is marvelous. It's inflation proof. It's not subject to theft or robbery or decay. You left it with me because I belong to you. It's undeserved. But this is more of your grace. Significant others in my life may have withdrawn peace. They may have left me trouble. But you counterbalance it all. You, the most high God. You veto all that because what you have left me is peace. You see what I do? I take one phrase, he spoke it, and then I speak back to him my thoughts on the basis of the phrase. That's called prayer, you see? That's called prayer. I let him to go first. Why not? He, we should receive he's the Lord. I let him speak first. He does in the word of God. The spirit of truth tells me it is his word. <laughs> you see? So, so, so he speaks, I respond, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. <gasps> My, oh God, it's a possessive pronoun. My, something which is yours, part of yours. It's inherently yours. You want so much for me to be blessed. You love me so much. You want me to have your experience. I don't know how to thank you. You don't, you don't withhold, do you? Your best. You came and gave your best. That's you in suffering and dying. And even though I do not see you, I have not yet beheld you face to face. And by the way, Lord, I look forward to that more than you know. Still, thank you for leaving peace while 
you and I are apart from each other in a physical sense. Can you, can you see what I'm... Peace. That's why I memorized. So I could facilitate my conversation with God. Now look, at my most anxious moments, we all have them, I go through... I'll take a verse like this. And I'll make it a dialogue with God. And don't you see what I'm doing? I'm replacing anxious patterns of thoughts, worrisome unsettledness. I'm replacing it with active, intimate conversation with God. I am imprinting new neurological connections. Now, this is for this. I know I just rained on the parade here by doing that but god designed that that actually happens new connections between neurons form when we think differently on things and so the old habits die hard but they can die when we replace them with new habits of thinking Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Oh, God, I have been in this world for a long time. And I've tried to extract from it the best it has to offer. And you are so right. It ain't that hot. The peace the world offers is so fleeting. It might be a drug or alcohol-induced peace. But then you wake up. It might be circumstantial peace. But then the circumstance gives way to a harsh circumstance. It might be some international peace accord, which soon gives way to some military conflict in another place. God, you are so right. I am so grateful that the peace you give has nothing to do with fleeting, temporal, worldly kind of peace. Let not your heart That means mind, I know now, God, doesn't it? Let not your inner being be troubled. God, that's a tough one for me. I don't know how not to be troubled. I just, that, I mean, I'm used to being troubled. But you're telling me to stop it. Now, if you tell me to stop it, that must mean I could stop it. And you're helping me, aren't you? Because you gave me your peace. So God, here, if you could just help me. To be a little more aware of my troubled mind and stop it before it ruins my entire day, I would really be pleased. Let not your mind be troubled, nor let it be fearful. God, I guess fear means I don't trust you, does it? That would make fear the opposite of faith. That would make you displeased, wouldn't it? Because we please you by faith, isn't it? God, thank you for forgiving me. I thank him because he did. Thank you for forgiving me. Would you help me to trust you? Lord, you want, I need to apologize to you. You've never given me a reason to doubt you. I do it anyway, don't I? I do it, God, because I'm making you look like other people in my life. What a shame. You're different. You're a cut above. You're categorically different. Can you see what you can do with one verse of scripture? You put that in your head. <clears throat> And you can wage war against a pattern of unchallenged anxiety, worry, all the rest. No thought should go unchallenged in your mind. Everyone should be taken captive to the obedience of Christ. And you need a device to do it? Here's the master's prescription. Here's the divine counselor's prescription. Take about one of these and go to bed. John fourteen 27. I'll say a phrase. Would you repeat it? 
after me, and then we'll close. John fourteen twenty seven. Peace, I leave with you. Would you say that? Peace, I leave with you. My peace, my peace, I give to you. I give. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So, shalom to you and to me. Shalom to us all who have peace, who have shalom by faith through God's grace because of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now let's lay aggressive hands on what he bequeathed to us. It's not everybody's. It's in his last will and testament to his followers. I want to cash in on it. I want to get in on my inheritance right now. Right now. Take it up as a weapon against anxiety. The Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, the author of peace, gave it to us. Don't let it get rusty. Don't let it gather dust. Take it up. So my fellow Christians, thank God we have peace. No matter what else is going on, we have peace with God. But he wants us to have more. He wants us to have the fruit of the relationship. One key ingredient of which is peace. Shalom. So Lord Jesus, again, we're reminded, some of us learning for the first time, something else about the ramification of being saved, being born anew. I'm afraid uh, for some of us, we have a very limited knowledge of what it is. Oh, my heavens. It's inexpressible. It's extensive. It's everything. It's the salvation from the penalty of sin. There's no question. But it's also salvation from the effects of it all in us and upon us. Thank you so much for making us new, for redeeming us. When we say we are born anew, it's not an archaic, hokey cliche. It means new parenting, new family, a settled, stable, safe life experience. Uh, maybe we haven't had it, but we do now. Thank you for giving to us uh, such a precious commodity, Lord Jesus. Your very experience is to be ours because you want to have us the best of what you have to give. Father, would you make us to be just a little more effective in taking advantage of what you have already bequeathed to us, no longer allowing the evil one to slap us around and no longer allowing our entrenched patterns of thinking to slap us around either. My peace I give to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. More than words can express. This we pray. Of course, it's in your name. Amen. Amen.